everyone. This is Tim along with Anthony and his radio MVP, episode number 35 of the Sports Podcast. And you can find us on the internet at radiombp.com and on Twitter at The Real Radio MVP and Facebook at Facebook slash Radio MVP Pod. So you want to check us all out on the internet as we continue to grow Radio MVP as we just hit a new milestone. Uh, for Radio MVP, and as uh, we reached our one-year anniversary just uh, about a, two, three days ago on the 15th, so congratulations there's Anthony. Yeah, congratulations to you too. It's been a fun experience, uh, you know, nearly 40 episodes in, and uh, we just keep growing and growing each day by the uh, uh, the numbers and expanding worldwide, so uh, we thank our worldwide partners and fans for tuning in to listen about me ran about Youngstown State and the Indians. There you go. Yeah, and that's what it, what it is. This is a uh, Mahoney Valley podcast that, of course, looks at a national view and a, and on a statewide view. And uh, we've even dabbled into Western Pennsylvania here in the last yeah. few months too. As uh, of course, my high school basketball season just came to an end uh, this week on a Friday night as Newcastle fell to Sharon in the quarterfinals of the PIAA championship uh, and, a, and, a, and a good game, but a, a game where Sharon really uh, took the lead early on in that game, a 12, nothing run to start the game and never really looked back as uh, the uh, red hurricanes were able to cut it down to seven at times and were able to make a couple runs on their own, but never really were able to uh, catch uh, the tigers in that ball game as uh, the Canes fall for the fourth straight year in the quarterfinals of the state tournament, but a, uh, a really gallant season for the uh, Canes. I want to say they finished 23 and five on the year. They had a 13 game winning streak up until that loss to Sharon last week. And uh, you know, this is a team. Uh, if you did not see Sharon or you did not hear anything, or excuse me, if you did not see the Sharon, Newcastle game, or if you're not familiar with the Canes and how they played this year, they had probably a rotation of about seven to ten players at different times. Most of the time, it's about seven or eight players played, and none of these players are going on to the next level playing basketball. The only one who has a scholarship is Marcus Hooker, who's going to Ohio State to play defensive back uh, for Urban Meyer and the Buckeyes. So, this has been an overachieving team all year, but what a, what a ride. What a fun ride to watch this team grow uh, when it really came together. A uh, team full of seniors. There were seniors on the bench that didn't see a lot of time. However, they did get in games, you know, when opportunity arose. And, uh, you know, they started five seniors all year long. And the only senior who actually had any playing time coming into this year was, was Marcus Hooker. And it was a, a team that, you know, continued to grow all season long. And it was really, really a treat to watch them play this year. And uh, Coach Ralph Blundo and his staff did a terrific job. You know, he kept saying throughout the year, well, this isn't the most talented team I ever had. And, you know, that is true. However, I, what he had here was, was guys who believed in the program and believed in themselves and wanted to win and achieved uh, and came together as the season got along. They were able to avenge two losses during the regular season to uh, Quaker Valley and ended up beating them to win the WPIL championship before moving on to the state title championship games. 
And uh, you know, I what a what an amazing run that they had. And you know, I can't thank uh, those involved over at WKST, James Dawson, and those over on the internet side of the high school broadcasting over there on the Trib Live for everything they did to help us uh, be successful this year on our broadcast. It's been an amazing run. And I tell you what, I really enjoyed, I ain't going to lie, I really enjoyed doing basketball again. It's been about four or five years since I did high school games because they just don't get covered over here any longer uh, because of rights fees. And it's just too expensive for teams or for the radio stations to do because, you know, you want to pay the uh, the two broadcasters you have the game, you have to pay a a board op and you know and the schools want their cut and it's it's just it becomes a very expensive thing to do and most of the uh, radio stations in our area both uh, uh cover sports have decided not to do high school basketball anymore in the last few years and you know it's disappointing the last high school basketball games i did over here in ohio were sailing games and it was about four years ago and then uh of course now i had the opportunity to go back over to western pa and do basketball instead of football. And I did football and basketball many years ago. And to get back into the basketball groove and, and really to see a school get behind its players and and uh, really uh, be supportive on all levels, it was fun to watch. It was fun to be a part of. And, uh, you know, it, I've uh, become a Red Hurricane fan in a lot of ways uh, this year because it's been a, uh, it's been a really a great ride. And, uh, you know, and uh, NC together on Twitter. Thank you for everything this year. You has been a blast uh, calling your games, and uh, look forward to next year and doing the same thing once again. Yeah, it's uh, it's stunning that basketball season's over for some schools and just went over for the rest. It's it absolutely flew by. I remember when we were finishing up the uh, first round of the high school football playoffs, and you know we were like, man, that flew by, and now we sit here on March 18th, just less than two weeks away from uh, spring training, or spring training, less than two weeks away from opening day opening baseball. Day, yeah. I mean, it's incredible yeah. how it just continues to fly by. And, uh, you know, it's really starting to become the best time of year for sports fans. It's the NFL draft's happening soon. Uh, the NCAA tournament going on right now. Uh, baseball in the dog days of spring training, as we said, a couple – uh, shows to go and opening day just less than two weeks away. So it's a uh, quick. Yeah, and the Indians got a little break going out to uh, Las Vegas this weekend, taking yeah. on the Cubs. Uh, you know, so they got got out of Arizona for for a couple days, and uh, I don't know what they did today. I know yesterday it didn't go real well for them. No, uh, uh, Brian Merritt like yesterday. Yeah, Merritt had a rough game yesterday. Um, the Indians today, last time I heard, were up five to two, and the Indians ended up winning today eleven to four. As, oh, there you go, just reverse. As Jan Gomes in a split squad hit his third grand slam of the spring. <laughs> Talk about a waste! No. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, that's the that got to be four for the Indians during the spring training because I know uh, I think. because another uh, kid hit one today in Seattle. Oh wow, it's amazing. They have five or you six know. grand slams. And how about uh, hopefully that's a prelude to to a really interesting offensive year for the Indians. Man, I tell you what, 
I know he's probably going to start the season in Columbus, but Yandy Diaz the past week is raking, raking. And I know people want it, want him to pull the ball more and launch angle. Uh-uh. Let, let him grow into his body because the well, Indians you have know enough what? power That's... hitters. It, if you have a guy in Diaz that can hit singles and doubles, you're going to get him on and get him over, get him in that way. Because you got Frankie, Ramirez, Encarnacion, Kipnis, if Brantley ever gets back. You got guys, Alonzo, that can hit the ball. And Babe Ruth, the catcher. I mean, Perez is hitting 400. Gomes is hitting grand slams every time he's up. I mean. <laughs> it's uh, spring training. Everybody yeah. is great in spring training, isn't it? Hey, But no, seriously. What? That's I right. Seriously, when you get down to it, it's great to see that the Indians are swinging a more consistent bat. Yeah. Uh, as for the Diaz and launch angle and all that, no, he's just he's a line drive hitter. Always has been. Uh, his power will will be developed as time because when you look at you know just his physical body, he he is full of strength, and it's just a matter of time where he gets comfortable at the major league level and is able to really kind of grow into his swing and become that player that the Indians believe that he will be. And it's just a matter of time, honestly. Uh, he is quite honestly very similar. When I say this, I don't mean as a hitter, but as a uh, as a ball player that just needs an opportunity to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Santana years ago when he was as a catcher, you know, he just needed an opportunity to play. And he had a couple of years where he really hit the ball well. That he changed his swing to go for more power, and he never hit more than twenty-five home runs a season. So, you know, I think he hit thirty-one year, but for the most part, he's always been about twenty-five, twenty-eight home run guy, and that's what Santana was, you know, with the Indians, and that's what he will be with the Phillies, in my opinion. I don't think he's going to change that dramatic, dramatically over in in the future. So, you know, I think Diaz long term will do that, and I do too. You know, it's just a matter of just let him be comfortable. Let him uh, build on the second half of the season he had with the Indians last year, especially in August, September, where he played real well. And uh, we'll we'll wait and see, you know, how they use him in the future because, you know, there's going to have to be some changes, you know, coming up. And, you know, mm-hmm. let's be honest. Um, the Indians will have to make some more decisions next offseason yep. on players that will be getting into free agency. And, you know, it will be bats next year that they'll be doing that. Someone like Kipnis and others. So it's going to be uh, interesting. But that's that's a whole year away. So let's not, you know, get ahead of ourselves. Let's enjoy this season and what it brings. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited that baseball's right around yep. the corner. You know, just to get back on your point about basketball real quick. And, you know, you'll, this is what, as a fan, you, you really come to expect. Uh, during a tournament, it's that finality. It's just all of a sudden your your season's <laughs> over. Yeah, and yeah, you know, is. and that happens, and that happens so quickly. And that's just like uh, last Friday night, you know, over in Slippery Rock with the uh, Newcastle Sharon game. Uh, you know, as that game was winding down, he recognized the season just ended. Uh-huh. There is no tomorrow. These guys just played their last game, you know, for Newcastle. Uh, they, like, these guys just won the, you know, the WPIL a couple of weeks back and advanced to the quarterfinals of the state tournament. And now the season's over, you know, 
a lot of these kids will be moving on to maybe possibly track or baseball or or maybe just you know next opportunity to play base or, or next opportunity to play anything or maybe their season's completely over as athletes at the high school level so you know that finality just hits you quickly and that's what's happening right now in the NCAAs every time a team loses you know the season is over there is yeah, nothing a, left to play and it, it just it just ends dramatically and fast no matter if you lose by one or if you lose by 10 or you lose by 25 by 20, yeah. your season's just completely ends it, there is no tomorrow and uh that is you know that's devastating to deal with right away and you know that's just like ohio state fans you know they had opportunities uh yesterday and it just didn't come their way and, you know, and the game ended, you know, and the season's now over, you know, and that's just, you know, an example of one team who, you know, a lot of people had high expectations as the season went along. And then, you know, they lost early in the, I think the first round of the big 10 tournament. And then, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, obviously won the first round of the, of the NCAs, but, you know, came up short uh, yesterday. And, you know, those are the things that happen, you know, and, you know, Gonzaga won, you know, they were able, and then, your season's over, you know. You go yeah, back to your, you go back to your hotel room and you pack your bags to leave that night. It, it's 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 a strange, it's a strange feeling, but that's exactly what happens in tournaments. And it's just there's such a a like falling off a cliff type scenario. Your season just completely ends. Yeah, it's uh, it's the best, and I'm gonna be biased, of course. Um, to me, it's the best three weeks in sports. Uh, growing up in a basketball family, uh, loving college basketball, that's what, that's what you live for. Um, and it's, the, it's an abrupt, jarring end. And it's amazing how, you know, everybody in November says, oh, well, just wait till March, wait till March, wait till March. And then all of a sudden you're here. And like you said, it's over. And yeah. for every team but one, it's a jarring, abrupt dead. Because the beautiful thing about the NCAA tournament compared to others is that in the NBA playoffs and the NFL playoffs and the MLB postseason, you have about two, maybe three teams that are legitimate World Series contenders that you look at and say, yep, those guys are going to be there in the end. Those guys are probably going to be there in the end. In the NBA, you got, well, it's going to be Cleveland, Golden State, Houston. The NFL is New England and whoever else. Now Philadelphia is getting up there. But in the, in the NCAA tournament, it's a crapshoot. And I think this year's a great example of that. Uh, as Friday night, we had the first 16 seed to ever beat a one seed. Um, and if you watch that game, I mean, uh, I've watched a lot of Virginia this year being an ACC fan. I wasn't very high on them as my bracket showed, and I wasn't a very big fan of them, but the best team on the floor that night was UMBC by far. And you can see that in the Arizona game too, against Buffalo, uh, which you said a couple nights ago, Buffalo would be a very tough out for Arizona and it proved to be, um, Buffalo was just a better team up and down and they were better coached. Oh um, yeah. No, Buffalo was you, playing great basketball I mean, coming into the tournament. You have, I mean, they won the Mac and they were just playing phenomenal. And I mean, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but 
Absolutely. No question about it. You know, we talked about that last week. That was not a surprise to me. Matter of fact, Arizona year in and year out Does has not to be the most disappointing program in in the NCAAs. They never get to the Final Four under Sean Miller. And, uh, you know, I, I heard – I forget who said this, and they had it – they said it perfectly. And I missed it. I should have remembered who said I it. I probably heard but it. But go ahead. It was um, Arizona's AAU team. While most AAU teams play just on athletic talent and don't have any real basketball skills shown during the game, that's what Arizona is under Sean Miller. And that's why they Boy, that, fail in the NCAA year in and year out. That is probably the perfect – Description of them. That is an absolute perfect description of Arizona. You, that hits the nail on the head. I think so. I really do. I, I, mean, I wish I remember who actually said it first. I did not. Uh, I like to give credit where credit is due, but I can't remember who said it. That and is, it is an absolute fact. I mean, if there's a better yep. description of their program over the years, that's the difference. And Yep. It's coached like an AAU team. I hate saying yes. it, but it is. it is. It is. And most AAU teams are there to, to take advantage of talent and raw athletic ability. Yep. The actual value of the basketball is low, in my opinion. It's all about showing off the talent and making money off these kids and getting the sponsors to pay big money for it. And as you go up to the higher levels of the AAU, that's exactly what happens. Mm-hmm. And uh, it has really dominated the the conversation in, in in sports at the basketball level going into college. You know, it's not necessarily what you do in high school is what you do in the AAU programs that get you exposed. However, your better players, you notice at the high school level that go into the NCAAs, they're really well coached. And that's where those players learn the game and how to run an offense, how to play defense, how to set up a player, how to take advantage of of mismatches. It's not done at the AAU level. It's done at the high school level. However, most um, of these athletes today are exposed to – and that's just they've dominated the the scene for the last 25 years, you know, in in that level of amateur basketball and – you know, that's exactly what I think Arizona has become as an AAU program at the Division One level. Yeah, it's – there are two teams um, that whenever somebody asks me for advice on a bracket, you know, there, there, are, there are two teams I always say don't pick to go far. Arizona's one like we touched on because, like you said, they just – are an AAU team going based on talent? There's not really a lot of great coaching there. I mean, is Sean Miller a great coach? No. I don't think so. I think he's pr- proven. When the um, game's on the line, has how often has he put his players in the best position to win the game, either making a defensive call or calling a play out of timeout where they successfully yep. are able to get the playoff and do it properly to win a ball game down late and it in a ball game that's, that's close. And it makes me sick too because his Arizona team beat Duke in uh, 2011 with Kyrie Irving. They well, yeah. they blew us out if of the you, doors because a one player got hot. Well, that's exactly what and they did. And then he did. turns around and loses to a five seed in the uh, Elite Eight. 
It's well, that's it's that's what happens when one of the players does you know has a career game. They can defeat anybody because of the talent level. Talent still wins yeah. ball games, but if you're not put in the best position, you're not going to win as many or the most important games when it when the quality of the team you face is that much equal to or better than what they are. And that's the here's, difference. Here's what really surprised me. Because as you and I talked about a couple days ago, um, I had Arizona winning the game. Am I surprised they got beat? No. Because like we touched upon, Buffalo's a very good program, and they've been coming up over the past couple of years. The thing that startled me, and my mom who's a former high school basketball coach pointed out, not only was Buffalo better coached, which, okay, you get one game where, you know, you just don't. But Arizona's energy level looked terrible. You're a four seed with everybody saying, you know, this could be finally be the year Arizona gets to the final four. And you come out and lay an egg. And then another alarming thing after the game that showed they weren't mentally engaged in the game, two of their players come out after the game and say, we're going, we're going to the NBA. Look, we all know these guys are going to the NBA. But you got to announce it right after the game. Like, you can't wait a day or a week or something to say that. That just says to me, and I think Clark Kellogg touched this on the postgame show, is they were never really – they, they physically never made a trip. The program. You're right. They never brought bought into the program. And it's funny because Arizona's famous saying is a player's program. Oh, it is. And now, and now if you're – if you're an Arizona fan and you're sitting here tonight after you had another tournament collapse, and that's what Jay Bills called it, a collapse, do you want Sean Miller back as your basketball coach with the chokes in the tournament and the FBI scandal maybe hanging overhead? It's going to be I mean, difficult. It's going to be difficult. I mean, very difficult. I don't want to convict him or damn him without all the evidence in front of me. But obviously, look – the NCAA itself has problems, you know, and it's being exposed, you know, team by team or school by school. And the NCAA has to deal with this. I'll tell you what hurt the NCAA the most is they thought in the long run, it'd be best if they could have some of these players who skipped the, skipped the, uh, the collegiate level and went right to the NBA they believe that they would be better off if they had those players. And the truth of the matter is they're not. Yep. Uh, the NBA Players Association on their next bargaining round, whenever that is, whenever that contract comes up, and I think it's another year or two away. I think two years away from they, what I heard. Yeah, right. This And that and won't change till then. They need to – really work for the player that's not been in the in the NBA yet. And that never happens because players only take care of themselves that are actually in the league. But, you know, and that happens across the board in all sports. Uh, however, what I would definitely, what I'm trying to basically get to is the NBA needs to open up its doors again to kids coming out of high school. Uh, and the 18-year-old should be allowed to go to the NBA. Because those who want to go to the NBA should be able to, mm -hmm. to make that leap. And if they can't make that leap, you now have the D League to at least give them an opportunity to improve and and make that adjustment to professional basketball. 
And it would, in a sense, improve college basketball because those going that route want to be there. And they're going to buy into their program. And they're going to be there for probably a minimum of two years, Mm -hmm. maybe three years before they come out. And they're going to be better basketball players for the NBA when they come out in two or three years or if they stay all the entire four years and get a degree and come to the NBA at 22-year-olds. You know, they're still young. They still have many years in front of them. And they still will be successful. But the product in the NCAAs would, would, at the collegiate level of basketball would improve greatly because you're gonna you're not gonna have the quote unquote superstar, you know, that comes right out of high school because they'll probably go to the NBA and take the money. However, what you're gonna get at the collegiate level is you're gonna build your own players. Mm-hmm. And you're gonna build a player who will become a top five NBA draft pick or maybe a number one overall. And you're going to have that opportunity to take it to the next level. And I really believe that will eventually happen and it will improve both the NBA and the collegian basketball, collegian style uh, college basketball, because it will make it that much better because you'll have players who are buying into a program who want to see it succeed and take it and celebrate uh, making the NCAAs and making a run into it like a UMBC, because Mm -hmm. that's exactly what they are. None of those players are going to the NBA. None of them. Mm-mm. Maybe one if there's a, someone that's under overlooked. There might be one that's overlooked. But my point is that school is not going to have uh, the top 50 recruits going to it. They're getting a top 100, to 200, to 300 player. And that's yeah, the just the way it works. The yeah, it's that's a great point, Tim. That's, that, that really is a great point. Um, and I can relate to that as um, – someone who's a fan of a program that um, has had a history of developing guys be four-year guys um, and then now transitioning to being a one-and-done kind of team. And I've been very outspoken. I said, I don't like Duke being one-and-done. I don't like it. I get rid of it, stop doing it. It doesn't win. Uh, we've only won once with it. We've won two games this year in the tournament, hopefully four more. Um, but – it. You also said that you know you get these kids like Arizona who they don't really want to be there. They're not mentally engaged. And I will sit here and eat crow. A couple nights ago, I said, you know, I, I didn't think Marvin Bagley and all them wanted to be a Duke. They just didn't care. And I said I thought Duke had a very good chance to be gone in the first weekend um, because. At points this year, it just looked like they didn't care. They just weren't mentally engaged. Um, and now they seem to have flipped the switch. I hate that saying, but they seem to flip the switch, and they're buying in and having fun. Um, well, but you also have one of the best coaches who's going to motivate his players and put them in the best situations to succeed, and that helps. I mean, there's no question about it. I agree, you know. Did Coach K make the switch and recognize that he needed to get these top ball players even if it's only for one year? Sure he did. Yeah. And Kyrie Irving was the first of those yep. players. And you know what? You do what you have to do to compete at the highest levels. And that's what, you know, unfortunately, what every school needs to do if you're at the top level. Uh, you go back to Thad Mata's run at Ohio State. His first four years, I think, at Ohio State, he had a player leave after one year. You know, yeah. and, you know, so it's nothing uncommon. I just think 
basketball will be better off long term, both the NBA and the and the and the collegiate level, if they would allow those who choose to go to the NBA go to the NBA because truth of the matter is they're students for half a year. Yep. Yeah. The, and you know, and, then, and, and all you have to do is stay eligible. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, you can you can give them the you can give them the, the softball classes to get them through, and then what are they going to do? Come after the tournament. They're going to drop out of school to prepare for the NBA, and that's just the way it works. So what are what are they gaining other than the university using these players to make money from? Yep. What are you gaining? Nothing. And uh, I mean that's and that's where they're at today, and it's a it's a bad look. It's a bad optics, as as the as the saying goes today, and you know it's better for the NCAA to find players who want to go that route and have the opportunity to get to the NBA. Versus players that are to use it as a stepping stone to the NBA for only uh, one year. Yeah, it's um, it the one and done rule has really hurt the college game. It just you know you don't. Yeah, to me, it, it is it fun to watch these great talents in college. Yeah, well, I, I mean. I love seeing Marvin Bagley and Wendell Carter go for twenty and ten each a game and winning by twenty. I love it. I love seeing Duvall finally show up and be the point guard he was meant to be and lead us into the Sweet 16. I do. But as a fan, it's tough to fall in love with a program with seemingly a new team every year. You know, back in the 90s and early 2000s, you know, you had three or four-year guys that you fell in love with and it made it really fun to watch them. Um, but I will still say that that's what wins the NCAA tournament experience in good guard play. By the way, Virginia, if you're listening, you might want to get good guard play. Um, that's college basketball today. You have to have, and you know, we'll go to, I'll take it to this level. That's what, you know, coach Calhoun needs to do at, Ohio, at Youngstown state. He needs great yep. guard play and he needs some guy who can be a rim protector. You know, uh, inside, who can get rebounds and alter shots, and you know, we'll see what happens with the Penguins long term. But I mean, that's exactly, you know, the ingredient for Youngstown State someday to compete for a uh, a berth in the NCAA's. Yep. You know, and uh, and that goes for every team. You know, there's certain things, but the, the the collegiate basketball, college basketball today is all about guard play. You yep. have to have. Anytime you look at a successful team, you can almost pick out the guard who is leading that team Give or the guards the- that were leading that team. Yep. And and not saying that they don't have someone down low who's a power forward or, or, or someone who can play in the pivot who is a rim protector and gets rebounds and, and may even score some. But you in collegiate basketball today, you need great guard play, both shooting guard and point guard. There's just no question about it. You can't win without it because the three-point play is so dominant mm-hmm. in basketball. Today. It is dominating at the high school level, too. You have to have great guard play at that level of uh, basketball. There's no question about it. Yeah, if you look at the past – let's go to the past 15 years, the past 15 uh, national champions and uh, – you know, let's just take a couple teams from there, for instance, um, Syracuse and Kansas and Kentucky and Florida 
and Duke when they've won it twice, and Villanova and Carolina in their championship years, and even Gonzaga last year. Name me one thing they all had in common. Really good point guards and really good shooting guards. Hey. Without question. Yep. Without question. Yeah. Carmelo it's the Anthony. name of the game. It's yep. the name of the game. When yep. Butler went back-to-back uh, championship appearances, they had great guard play. You know, these are what are necessary in today's uh, basketball. It is just absolutely imperative. You know, you can't win without. You know, I will say this, just a little pat on the back here for myself. Nevada is looking good to get to the Elite Eight as they got I through the first Nevada two rounds. I put Nevada 16 thanks to Tim. Tim called that, <laughs> and I had it. And, yes, you, uh, you know, that was one of my uh, – my my uh, few picks that always look good, you know, and you find somebody you really love. But I'll tell you what, that's just a team that looks like it has the ability to surprise, and it yes, has. Yes, it does. And, yeah, uh, you know, does. Cincinnati, like you mentioned, you know, we talked before we got on air, Cincinnati had that lead. As a matter of fact, when, when Nevada started making that comeback, it was fun to watch. I got seen part of that game. And then, uh, you know, Gonzaga against Ohio State. There's a team that showed its its guard play in the, in the yes. second half. Yeah, and when Ohio State the, uh, kept making the comeback to get back in the ball game, what were they able to do? They were able to get out in front, make some defensive plays, and get some easy baskets. And you know, and Gonzaga is going to be a, an interesting matchup too uh, for the potential Florida State Xavier game. Yes. By the way, at halftime, Xavier leading by two, 34-32. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I know um, those who are listening are going to hear that and are going to say, "Well, that game's over." But uh, that's just you know part of yeah, podcasting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you know what? That's you know that's that's what basketball is about, though. This is a fun time of the year. I mean, we can break down the brackets and all that, but let's face it: the story is UMBC. The story is, is Chicago, Loyola, Loyola, Lola. You know, Loyola, and what they yeah. have done. I mean, what what a phenomenal year! Uh, obviously, Sister Jean. Yes, the story I was just about of the to touch on that. Sister Jean, uh, how cool is that? I mean, that's the cool thing about being a fan of a mid-major, smaller school like you and I are with Youngstown State. You know, just the really cool stories that you get. And though – It's fun to watch, aren't they? They will defend you as soon as you get off the bus. And I borrow a phrase from the great Lou Holtz. You better bring your lunch pail when you get off the damn bus. We're going to hit you all day long. And they fit the mantra of that city. Tough, gritty. They will get up and pester the heck out of you. And you know what, though? Sister Jean has her Ramblers getting beat in the Sweet 16. She has two brackets. She has the oh, magical she bracket. Okay. She has the magical bracket where they win the national title. Well, and then she has her title. official bracket, which gets her through the to the Sweet 16, which is where they're at right now. So, hey, you know what? No matter what what happens, it's been a great story. Yeah, it's been a fun it's team what to watch. It is, it is what the NCAs are about. Yep. Stories like that. Stories like UMBC and what they have done, being the first 16 seed to win against a number one. And honestly – that's what it's all, you know. Yeah, I got yeah, home. I got home uh, Friday night from the uh, basketball game, where uh, Newcastle lost to Sharon, and I got home and sat down and relaxed for a few minutes and 
turned on the TV, and I think there was like four minutes left, and they had like a 15-point lead. I said, oh, my God, they're going to win. Yep. And it was it was just phenomenal storyline. I mean, it was not even really a uh, a contest in a sense. You knew who was going to win that ball game, and, you know, what they do tonight, uh, the retrievers are, you know, the story – Let's uh, the retrievers and, and St. Jean or the or, uh, sister Jean, excuse yeah. me, are the, are the stories of the tournament there. I mean, the Cinderella shoe fits. A friend of mine asked me, who, who do you root for? I says, I'm no fool. I fo- I got to go with sister Jean. <laughs> they play Nevada in the sweet 16. Yes. 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 That'll be a really fun game to watch. Two teams no, it will be. that will defend you. Two teams that got some nice guard play again we were talking about. Mm-hmm. You know what, though? I think the magic of Sister Jean might be going. You and never did you know. hear that she scouts each yes. opponent from them? I love yes. that. That is awesome. And I love how she, she talks to the players yeah. before the game. And everything. It's just a phenomenal story. Yeah, hey, it, when it, you're a part of a university like that, and like she is, it's nothing uncommon. Nope. You know, that they build these bonds with these players and they have a chance to really share a, a unique story. And, you know, success makes that story even more, you know, more, more sweet and more fun. And, and then that's what, again, this is what the stories of the NCAA is. It's not the story of always the, the all-star player it's about it's about the teams it's about the universities it's about those who are involved you know it is you know don't take you know it it was like when gonzaga was trying to make it to the final four year after year and never got there and finally did you know those are the thing or butler you know making a chance to win a, yeah. a national title i mean these this is what the stories are about the stories are about you know teams are trying who were undefeated trying to win the tournament this is, you know, that's what makes it special. I mean, that's what the one shining moment is all about. You know, everyone gets yep. excited to watch it. And, yeah, you know, it's, it's been around forever and it'll be around for forever and a day longer because it's just, it's what makes the tournament. It is the best sporting event in sports because it lasts so long. You start with yep. 64 teams or 68 teams or whatever you want to call yep. it nowadays, you know. And you and you get down to a championship. It is a legitimate tournament. There's not a not you know you can qualify for this tournament. You can yep. be a Cinderella. You can win your and conference each tournament. Team has the each team has a chance. Yeah, I mean you don't have to be great sometimes to make this tournament. You gotta be great on one and night. Yeah, and now with the expanded first first four type scenario, you know obviously you're gonna look at Syracuse. They, you know, a lot of people didn't think they belonged in there. What do they do? They win the first one, you know. They won the second game, and here they are. You know, they have they're they're headed to uh, the Sweet Sixteen. You know, so you know Jim Behind is is the coach who I'll say this every time. Once he gets past that first and second round, his teams usually go far. For that team not to get to the Final Four right now will shock me. Don't uh, say that, team, Jim. Hey, I know you're a Dookie. And I, and I, was, that, and I love Duke too, but I Don't tell you what, that, I'm being honest. Once Jim Bohan gets his team on a run, 
they usually get to the final four. You know, he's only won a couple championships in his lifetime, but he's made the final fours many times, and it would not shock me if he has one more run to the final four. And uh, we'll just have how to wait and see how it goes to the final four. Next year, he well, I mean, I'm not, I, I don't care which happens. I'm just saying, traditionally, <laughs> his teams, once they get past right. that first two rounds, right. they go deep. Yes, and, they you do. Know, and that, that's what's going to make that matchup great because you have two of the best coaches in, in college basketball going against each other. And it'll be the first you know, one that's going to wins. Yeah. It's going to be interesting because you got that matchup zone versus. You know, you know, you know, Coach K playing the zone and getting out of it and playing man and man and using his athletes. It's going to be a great ball game. I mean, no matter who the wins, game it's going to be a great fight. ball game. I don't expect that game to be a blowout either way. No, I don't think it's going to be a ten point win for either team. If it is, it's just because of fouling and they went to the mm-hmm. to the three throws, three throw line and made their buckets. I mean, that's the only reason I think that game may end up being a bigger score than most. But I think up until that point, I think we're going to see a great ball game. The, you know, uh, and the first meeting this year with uh, Syracuse and Duke was an absolute rock fight. If you enjoyed offense, that was not the game for you. As uh, Duke didn't make a three until nine minutes to go in the second half, I believe. And it came from a guy, Duvall, hitting 27% of his threes. It was a uh, an absolute horror show on offense but to virginia it's beautiful basketball as i take another shot at virginia i can't stand them um it's it's gonna be the first one of 60 with uh both teams playing the zone like you said um and i forget who's doing the syracuse michigan state game today but one of the announcers said that every year you look up and syracuse may not win these games but they just keep coming and coming and coming at you. And they just make the plays, the gritty plays that don't show up on the stat sheet or don't show up on the highlights, but they keep doing them and they win. And every year they're there. If you play that zone defense and you play it properly and you know, you get your 30 games under your belt and you continue to improve as the season goes along. It's difficult to face that in, in this time of the year because you're forced to take outside shots and none of them are, they're all contested. You know, it's Mm -hmm. difficult to get inside on that zone. And they're very, you know, it's like I said, Jim Boheim is a very good coach. who's proven himself year after year after year. And I'm not surprised uh, at the success, you know, that his team has had, like I said, there, that's a team. If they get past that first round, they seem to always make a run. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a great matchup against yep. Duke, you know, and we'll just have to wait and see. You know, the other matchup, you know, you know, I was talking about Nevada. I mean, potentially, you know, they, they, they're they going to have to take on Kentucky potentially, you know, in round 16. If yep. You know, if Kentucky wins tonight Kentucky against UMBC, which I, which I imagine they will. But my point is, you know, that's going to be a great matchup. I mean, that's going to be a matchup people uh, – are going to work, you know, I think you're going to be kind of a, a pick them game. And, you know, just have to wait and see. And Xavier's Clemson, in a dogfight with Florida State. I was just about to bring so, up Xavier. The winner of yeah. the uh, – you could have, if Florida State were to pull off the upset, you could have in the Midwest region in Omaha, in Kansas's backyard, Clemson, Florida State, 
Duke and Syracuse and all ACC regional. Um, you know, Florida yeah. State's only down two right now. Uh, but they, even if Xavier wins, that Clemson-Xavier game is going to be fun. Both teams have really good guard play and they defend the heck out of you. Right. Well, you know, we'll just wait and see. Xavier actually, like I said, would have Gonzaga in uh, what, the next would round. They, that's right. Yeah, they would. Kansas would play. Um, right. Kansas and Clemson. Well, Kansas Clemson is will the still matchup. be a good game. Both guard play. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. a uh, good, uh, really good defensive team in Clemson against a high scoring Kansas team. And then there's right. West Virginia, you know, and, uh, and that and game should be games, fun so. tonight. Yeah. That I mean, game's going to be the I first mean, one to eight. It, it's so, right. It's, there's so much still to talk about, and who knows what will happen. And we'll just let the chips fall where they may. But, and this is what makes it fun to project and, and think about, you know, the NCAs and how they uh, they 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 kind of fall fall together well, the and, past, and see uh, how the dominoes fall and and see what what exactly happens. But I'm excited. I I think we're having a, a good tournament. We are. I got to admit that I haven't seen a lot of the games because I was busy on Friday night and and Thursday I was busy. So and today, unfortunately, I was busy again uh, with some other things. Mm-hmm. When we'll have more announcements on that one later, because uh, yeah. we have a great chance to uh, mm-hmm. talk football into the spring and the summer this year. Yeah, and and uh, I got to talk to uh, Matt Ems today, and Matt and I, Matt's going to join us for our our NFL draft preview, and we're going to have more on that. Hopefully, in about two weeks, that'll be uh, coming your way. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll talk more about uh, all the players that are going to in the NFL draft and also get into exactly, you know, who are some of the players to look for. We're not going to do a mock draft. That's kind of silly in my point point of view. I'd rather give you the top three to top five ball players in each position and where they may uh, rank. And then if you're looking for a cornerback, you know who you're looking for. If you're looking for an inside linebacker, you know who you're looking for or a running back. You know, for your favorite team, you know the players that are going to be available and what most scouts are talking about them and how they rank them. And that's what we will bring you here on Radio MVP. Hey, real quick, talking about the NFL, the Jets uh, have made a trade and moved up to the third spot uh, right behind or right in front of the Browns, I should say. Wow. As they uh, they, uh, they traded with, uh, with Baltimore, or excuse me, with uh, Indianapolis. Uh, first round picks. So uh, they'll Indy will draft at six, and uh, the Jets have moved up to number three. So now they may, you know, there are a lot of people uh, talking about. Obviously, the Jets are going after a quarterback. So I keep telling the Browns fans, "No much, you much love you, much love you, much love for Barkley." And I love Barkley. I think he's mm-hmm. going to be a great athlete and great player in the NFL. You have to take the quarterback. I agree with one. that. You have your choice of all four quarterbacks or five quarterbacks that are in this NFL draft. Everyone's talking about you take the number, you take him at number one. And if you need to make a move, you think you have to make a move. You try to draft and and move up to the number two spot, but I really don't think they will. I think they'll stay put up number four and see what happens. Mm -hmm. And they very well make a defensive line and uh, something like that. And they could pick up, a running back in the second round who's almost as good or as advertised mm-hmm. and can be as as effective as Barkley. I love Barkley, and I think he's going to be a great ball player. But if I'm the Cleveland Browns and, and I'm John Dorsey, 
I'm taking a quarterback number one. Oh yeah. And most likely, I expect that name to be announced, Sam Darnold. I really truly do. Yeah, I think uh, Darnold is the uh, the top choice at quarterback. The Browns prefer. Um, I, I hear all these fans of different teams saying, "Oh, we got to get Burke. We got to get Berkeley. And I'm like, I'm not that high on him. I mean, he's a oh, great he's coach yeah. player. He's he's. I'll tell you what. But, he's going to have a rating higher than Zeke Elliott did coming out of the NFL. Really? Out of Ohio. Yeah, his his number is going to be off the charts because uh, he can catch the ball. You can you can you can do you can do with him the same thing the Steelers do with Bell, the same thing with with uh, Dallas does with with Elliott. Uh, Barkley has that capability. There are other players that have that capability too. Don't get me wrong, but he is absolutely when you're coming into this draft maybe the best athlete in this draft, the number one player in this draft. But quarterbacks have a premium, and you have to take the quarterback first, especially if your Cleveland has never had a successful quarterback in this league. You know, And now that they got you know, Tyrod Taylor as the starting quarterback, they have a chance to groom a guy and give him a year or two, mm-hmm. uh, bring him along, and, and become the face of the franchise in the future. There's absolutely no way – you know, I just – I'd bet a lunch on it. You know what I mean? i bet a dinner on it with someone. The Browns are taking a quarterback, number one. If they pass a qu- on a quarterback again, I I just don't know what would happen. I mean, that, that franchise would be that far more behind in the future. It's just they have no choice. They must take the quarterback, number one. And, you know, at the number four pick, you could take a lot of players that are available. Who knows exactly what will happen going forward? It's very well possible that the Giants may trade out of their position uh, for another team to move up to try to take a quarterback. And uh, these quarterbacks are going to go fast. I imagine the top three or four quarterbacks could go in the top ten picks. I really, truly believe that's a possibility. I don't want to get too far ahead on the draft stuff, but I just thought I'd throw that out there and give my two cents on it. But, again, if you know, that's what matters. And real quickly – my salute to uh, Joe Thomas on his retirement. Mm-hmm. Congratulations to Joe T. Uh, what a what a run he had with the uh, the Cleveland Browns. Unfortunately, never went too many years in the uh, win column. Too many coaches, too many turnovers. But his ten thousand with six hundred thirty three consecutive starts. Snaps, yep. Snaps, yeah, Snaps uh, start. just phenomenal. Snaps, yeah, yeah, and all his all the games that he started. Uh, that's just phenomenal, and. Uh, if you're a podcast fan, and I hope you are, not just to a radio MVP, but other people, you got to check out his new podcast with uh, Andrew Hawkins, the former receiver of the Cleveland Browns. It's called Tomahawk. Phenomenal. Great information. Uh, a lot of fun to listen to. And, uh, you know, I'm not afraid to uh, talk about other people because I just don't care. Um, I don't care. I don't care. I, you're Those who listen to us, we thank you. We appreciate you. We want you to help grow us. Mm-hmm. And how do you do that? Tell your family and friends about this podcast. Give it to them. Make have them have a chance to listen to it and uh, learn more about us. Subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on your podcatcher, whatever you may be. We're available just about everywhere uh, on the internet, either on iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher 
or any podcatcher that you may use. And if you do uh, download through iTunes, do me a favor, do us a favor, help us grow, help other people find us by giving us a rating and a review. Five-star ratings obviously would help the most. Uh, a one or two sentence review would be huge and uh, it would really help us grow. We got one review and one review on there. I'd love to see that grow by like three or four here in oh, the yep. next week. And then, you know, we'll go from there. So I don't care who you are, relative, friend, family, enemy, uh, enemy, exactly. <laughs> uh, someone uh, who's, you know, listening from overseas, please, if you get it through iTunes, give us a rating and review. It would be greatly appreciative as uh, we try to grow Radio MVP. Anthony, give me some of your last thoughts here tonight as we uh, wrap up this uh, podcast. Last thoughts, uh, the Indians outscored the Mariners and Cubs today 27-7 to in a split squad game, game for whatever it's worth. Uh, the NCAA tournament's ratcheting up, and um, I hope you're wrong about Syracuse making a run, but uh, we'll have to see Friday night in Omaha. And I don't think Peyton Manning will be there screaming Omaha tip-off. No, Omaha, <laughs> Omaha! <laughs> <laughs> and it pains me to see Virginia we'll see and Carolina out the first weekend. <laughs> Maybe we'll see that commercial for Omaha advertising sure we'll their uh, the Chamber of Commerce yeah. or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, uh, hey, it's been fun. Yeah. Again, uh, if you check us out on the internet, we are everywhere. Check us out on our website, radiomvp.com. Follow us on Twitter at the Real Radio MVP. I'm at Tim Continenza on Twitter. Anthony, you can follow him on Instagram, Instagram and Facebook, at, yep. at ACAP17. And you can follow us on Facebook. Give us a like and on that as Facebook Radio MVP Pod uh, or Facebook slash Radio MVP Pod. And uh, you will find us there as we continue to move forward here on Radio MVP. For Anthony and Canfield, I'm Tim and Borman. We will talk to you all soon. Have a great day, everyone.